On this episode of Cinema Smorgasbord Presents, we do our own stunts. We continue plumbing the early days of Jackie Chan's filmography with the body 1975 comedy, All in the Family. It's Jackie Chan having sex. So let's start. <laughs> he does have sex. <laughs> I know, but it's just funny that that's like your intro. Welcome to We Do Our Own Stunts, a podcast about the life and work of martial arts superstar Jackie Chan. I'm Doug Tilly, and with me as usual is the world's deadliest man, Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing today, Liam? Ah, I'm doing good, Doug. Are you doing good? You said I, I was the deadliest know, but... man, so I had to rage out for a second. Yeah. Do you... Now, do you remember reading comic books when you were a child, Liam? I know you don't read comic books anymore. You think it's kind of uh, for losers and uh, for children. That's but, weird. Uh... Everything you're saying is wrong, but go ahead. Yeah. We did have a comic book related podcast, so maybe this this joke of mine isn't going to go anywhere. But uh, Liam, when you were a child, did you ever read one of those comic books that had an ad for Count Dante, the world's deadliest man? No, actually, the only one I remember is the um, the Atlas guy, the the ad mm-hmm. with the kid getting the sand kicked in his face, and then they'd have the drawing of the super strong Atlas guy, and you could learn Charles be, Atlas. Uh, yeah, I guess it's Charles Atlas. Uh, mm-hmm. Whatever, Whoever was in the picture never looked actually tough to me. He just looked like weird. <laughs> so I, I would never bought the system. But, I, but you know, I, I saw many ads for various things in comic books. I always thought, like, what if I did buy that? There, uh, Have you ever seen pictures of, like, bodybuilders in the 1950s? Yeah. Because, uh, you know, Sean Connery was a bodybuilder before he became James Bond. And you see the photos of him. And, look, don't get me wrong. These are muscular guys, but they just look like dudes. Like they're just some guy who maybe goes to the gym once every four days or so, and he see, you, they got those hairy chests and stuff. And you compare it to like thirty years later, and everyone is Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> it really makes me wonder, like, what changed in the world that people look like actual monsters now? <laughs> I think we know some of the things that changed in the world. Uh, there is a book, uh, not to to. I mean, by the way, this is a Jackie Chan based podcast. Um, there's a book that came out a couple years ago, Liam, and all it is is examples of things that you could purchase through comic books. Most, you know, a lot, a lot of those gag gifts and things like that, and then the gift itself, the 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 gag thing, and what it was and how it worked. And it was a really interesting style coffee table book. Um, and but it was it's particularly interesting simply because I mean you you know just as being an adult and being a, a, a person who thinks in this world that X-ray specs don't work. But I've all, I was always curious about what they were and what they expect. You know, I just, it, I, I do have a certain weird nostalgia and longing for the time when people could sell you things that transparently did not do what they promised that they would do. But some of these things are ridiculous. Like you could buy a submarine, like a child-sized submarine from a comic book. Yeah, I'm trying to remember some of the ones that I was... I mean, X-ray specs were always interesting to me, even though I knew of that course. they, I knew that they probably didn't work. I still was always like, "Huh, I wonder what that's about." <laughs> um, that probably is such an interesting word. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I was ten. There's some part yeah. of me that's like, "These probably don't work," but what if they did? Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, Superman can see through clothes, so why shouldn't I, Liam O'Donnell, at ten years old? Oh, I see. Clothes was where we were going with that. I was thinking of all kinds of other things, Doug. But sure, clothes is the right answer. You pervert. I want to see their shin bones and whatnot. <laughs> uh, but uh, so, changing the topic slightly, back to <laughs> Jackie Chan. The- the famous martial artist who uh, is the theme of this very show. What do we think about Jackie Chan? Liam, we're a couple of uh, episodes in. This is our third episode. Uh, and so far, we have not watched a good movie. <laughs> if this was one of those situations where, you know, as you, you already referenced famously, famously, that mm-hmm. we had a uh, comic book podcast together, specifically an Alpha Flight podcast. And your role on that show was to be the everyman, the one mm-hmm. who didn't know much about Alpha Flight, was going in cold. Mm-hmm. I suggest if one of us was that character, which is not a character, but you know, it's what you were, you were doing on this show. I legit don't know stuff. That's true. On this show, they would have already quit because <laughs> what we've seen so far is not evidence. It, basically, there's no narrative here. We're, we're both cheating. We're already fans. But if we weren't, this would not have sold. I would have been like, at this point, been like, okay, we're three movies in. Why are we doing this again? The hope is that we're going to hit 
the good movies, which we are very, very soon, or at least the, the more kind of directly interesting and available movies, and then people will listen to those episodes and be like, those guys, they, you know, this is something worth listening to, and then they'll go back and listen to the earlier ones with a better appreciation for what we had to get through to get to that point. Okay. Liam, I should say, by the way, that you are part of the decision-making process of making this a chronological uh, Jackie Chan podcast. Just because I'm responsible for the thing doesn't mean I don't have regrets. <laughs> Honestly, there are there there are, we have skipped a large number of movies uh, to even get to this point. Movies where Jackie Chan shows up as a stuntman or just shows up for like an instant in the background or something like that. So, really, you should be thanking me. For uh, being a little loose on this whole chronological thing? Oh, sure, yeah. I'm filled with gratitude. <laughs> I'm fucking overwhelmed with gratitude at you and your 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 grace in what you've been programming for us here. Uh, Liam, in particular, you should be grateful because on this episode of We Do Our Own Stunts, we're talking about 1975's All in the Family, which is notorious as a pornographic movie where you get to see Jackie Chan have hardcore, penetrative sex in it. I didn't get a boner even once. No, me either. And I'm notorious for my random boners. <laughs> but, uh, no, uh, so we're going to get into that when we talk about the movie proper after our break. But this movie is well known because Jackie Chan has referred to it uh, in his book and in other places as being a pornographic movie. Now, we referred to the movie on the uh, the last episode, The Golden Lotus, as also being a movie that he, he has referred to as being kind of um, embarrassing in terms of a movie that he was in previous. This movie is more embarrassing, but not for the same reasons as, as that one. But this is in no way a pornographic movie that we're going to be talking about. It's not even really a sex movie. Uh, the Golden Lotus was much more sex-oriented than the one we're going to talk about here. Yeah, I don't understand his referring to this as his pornographic film, unless he means entirely tongue-in-cheek. Other than some brief nudity, it doesn't even feel like a particularly sexy movie. Uh, <laughs> or even like, let me take that back even. It doesn't even seem like a film that's particularly interested in sex until the end. And... It's almost indirectly interested in sex. Yeah, it was really hard to jack it, is what you're saying. I was trying so hard, Doug. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about some of the difficulties we had watching this movie, but Liam, there has been some Jackie Chan news. Oh, wow, okay. Week. Yeah, this is something that I don't feel like we need a full-fledged news segment, but since we have this opening segment, why not talk about what Jackie Chan is doing in the world? And of course, we're all a little limited, Liam. I don't know if you realize this, but we're in the midst of of an epidemic that uh, has kept a lot of us inside. I've been wondering why my comic shop was closed. I, I kept sending yeah. them angry emails and wondering what was going on. Yeah, you're, you're carrying carrying it up outside, slamming on the window saying, let me in. <laughs> I'm Liam O'Donnell. I do appreciate comics now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Liam, <laughs> Liam, there's a place in the world called China. Now, China has had a hard time with this uh, COVID-19 Why is outbreak. that again, Doug? What, why is uh, that? Well, I, a lot of it. Can you tell me what's their, that? What's that about? Sure, absolutely, one hundred percent. So their government uh -huh. can be a little um, unpredictable, I would say. Sure, and uh, maybe a little overwhelming at times. And when this outbreak first occurred, I think that maybe they did not want the rest of the world to know how bad it was or was getting, and so they they kept a lot of people quiet, Liam. But then, mm. uh, it this got is really why bad. you've been calling it the Chinese virus. The, the Wuhan flu is, I think, what we are supposed to call it, according to a gentleman I saw on the news. <laughs> um, and uh, and I have also heard some phrases that are much less cool to say. Were, you, uh, were there scare quotes around gentlemen? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, uh, quotes around gentleman and gentlemen. Um, Liam O'Donnell, China's had a rough time with this uh, uh, COVID-19. And uh, Jackie Chan has been, I guess, uh, contacted by the government of China because he's he's a real uh, <laughs> he's a real company man when it comes to China. This Jackie Chan, and so he's been tasked with sending a message to India, who are also having a hard time with the pandemic. Uh, and so they've recently, just in this past week, they shared. A video, Jackie Chan has shared a video basically just talking to India about what they're going through, uh, words of support, saying everything's going to be okay. Namaste, 
Hello, I'm Jackie Chan. I would like to send my love and wishes to everyone in India. I know we're all facing a very difficult time right now. We should stay positive and follow the advice from your government. Uh, and that I'm, I'm hoping that Jackie is going to do that for other parts of the world that have been affected by uh, the uh, pandemic. That's interesting. I mean, to be fair, I'm sure they're looking to India, one, because it's been pretty, you know, hard hit in India. But two, uh, they're a pretty big trade partner with China, so I'm sure they want (laughs) as much goodwill as they can. Must you be so cynical, Liam? (laughs) Uh, Oh, when it comes to shilling out Jackie Chan in order to repair international relations, yeah, I'm a wee bit cynical about that. Jackie Chan cannot be bought or sold. We all know that. That's all. That's something we've certainly learned over the past year or so. Look, I we come here not to criticize Jackie Chan, and we are not knocking his message here. Uh, him being maybe one of the few figures that would be immediately recognizable in India makes sense for him to be a mouthpiece in this particular regard. But uh, but be that as it may. It's hard to remove my own cynicism about moves like this, trying to smooth over business relations, which, as you refer to, Liam, is almost certainly uh, what what this is all about. It is what it is, man. I, I also am not a big fan of uh, people pointing the finger at one place uh, uh, when it's so obvious how many nations uh, didn't take this thing seriously and didn't respond in the best way. So, like, it's we all love a scapegoat, but it, in this case, it, it seems pretty obvious that scapegoat is motivated by uh, a big chunk of racism. Just a just a good helping, heaping now, helping of it. Now, Liam, not to play devil's advocate. <laughs> Whatever you're going to say, whatever you're going to (laughs) say. But we have a musician here in Canada, very famous musician, really one of our greatest. His name is Brian Adams. Never heard of him. And, mm -hmm, well, he wrote a song called Cuts Like a Knife and another one called Summer of 69. And then in the early 90s, he had one of the biggest hits of the year with Everything I Do, I Do It For You. Uh, Now a long distance dedication. No, but Brian Adams, he recently had some very unpleasant things to say about the Chinese and maybe the origins of this uh, this disease. Liam, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, look. <laughs> Fuck Brian Adams? Yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean, come on. My man wrote The Summer of 69, a song played better by MXPX. So clearly, he's not exactly a, a, a wordsmith or a talent in any respect, let alone someone who I want giving me his takes on international uh, matters. Now, this is interesting. I would think that you would love MXPX because they have that unique mixture of faith and punk, gross, which also defines gross, you. Gross. <laughs> gross. This, this, this uh, connection you just made makes me want to jump out a window. I'm just saying. What? You, you don't like the faith-based punkers? <laughs> I mean, you know, Zayo had a good record. Uh, uh, but yeah, no, I was never really an MX. PX fan. I guess that first record isn't entirely embarrassing, but uh, it's not something that I could imagine putting on and getting through the f- more than like two or three songs. Liam, do you think Jackie Chan believes in God? <laughs> <sighs> he probably does, right? I don't know or care. Maybe we should explore Jackie Chan's faith in a future episode. But today, Liam, <laughs> believe it or not, we're here to talk about a movie. That movie is 1975's All in the Family. Now, Liam, I don't want to give away our, our feelings on this movie, but I think it's safe to say that our feelings were rather mixed. Would that be safe to say? Um, I, I always say that. That's what I always say is like, oh, we had a mixed response. I don't know that we did have a mixed response. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do want to preface it before we get into the movie proper after our break that we are dealing, Liam, with a subtitled copy of this movie. Uh, to my knowledge, the only subbed version that is available to get anywhere. And the subs are rough. Uh, they are not particularly well translated. There are moments, uh, large lengthy passages which seem to be summarized by just a few words i feel like we are missing a lot of the nuance and that is a particularly difficult thing when it comes to a comedy where especially a a comedy based on on a level of wordplay that we i I just don't feel like we're necessarily grasping the humor of a lot of what we're going to be talking about here 
Well, and I think we should be clear, too, that it's two layers, right? We already have a layer in that I'm not sure all of the cultural references in a period film right. from China are going to ring with us. But then also the subtitles were jacked. So it's like even if we might have gotten the reference, the timing might be off. And we're kind of like, what is that? What is that supposed to mean? You know, let alone we just have to assume the trans. It's not like we can listen along and go, oh, actually, that phrase means this. Like, you know, the, the translation is not a one to one deal, which I think people forget sometimes. So the yes. work of doing subtitles, you know, if there is wordplay, if there is weird uh, double entendre going on or, you know, puns, we're going to miss all that stuff. I mean, just think about the confusion of a Cosby sweater. Right. If I say to you right, right now, Doug, Cosby sweater. Well, since we since we were a kid to now, that phrase has changed because we found out that Bill Cosby is a raping monster. So He's the, what now? <laughs> a, a, a raping monster. So just the idea of a Cosby sweater in and of itself is a, is a confused thing, let alone the idea of how do you translate Cosby sweater to someone from another country who didn't grow up with Bill Cosby at all as part of their cultural conversation, and then you just use the phrase Cosby sweater. has no meaning, uh, let alone if you put years and years and years between you and, and that person. So considering the time frame, the cultural difference and the fact that these translations might not even be accurate it's hard for us to judge the movie entirely however i will say even if we judge the movie solely on the visual content i don't have a lot positive to say (laughs) well we'll get into that uh right after our first break Uh, once again i just want to reiterate as we always do hey we're not experts on martial arts movies we're not experts on this era in particular of martial arts movies and this isn't even a martial arts movie so if you do have any corrections if you have knowledge about all in the family please let us know it's wd OOS. We do our own stunts at cinemasmorgasbord.com. We'll take our first break, and when we return, 1975's All in the Family. Ah, 想染染你的红鸡蛋。你你，甭刚胜任了，有我，大家都好过。不有我，咱们就谁都别想过得好。哎哎，A working class man constantly squabbles with his family over the important issues of the day. Starring Carol O'Connor, it's all in the family with the lovable bigot Archie Bunker. Stop! Will you stop? All right, all right. A family gathers to be with its dying father. The reunion brings to the surface old rivalries. That's all in the family from the year 1975. No connection to the famous Norman Lear sitcom All in the Family. And in fact, that plot summary does not really tell you the whole story of this movie because there's actually, there's kind of three stories. We're going to get into this, but there's a kind of a framing story about a bickering couple who work in a uh, market. And then there's this story about the dying father that I just referenced. And then there's another story about rickshaw drivers. That's the one that features Jackie Chan. And that only starts about an hour into the movie. Uh, And even within those stories, there's kind of vignettes that are occurring. Uh, So when we we referenced before the break that, that some of the cultural aspects are a little difficult for us to get a real handle on, particularly with the difficulty with the subtitles. Yeah, there's a there's probably a little bit of confusion that we are going to be going through when it comes to the plot. That said, Liam, I think I got a pretty good handle on it. It is All in the Family, which was released in Hong Kong on the 8th of February, 1975. This movie was directed by Mu Chu. If that sounds familiar, you might be a long-time listener if we do our own stunts, because Mu Chu also directed Cub Tiger from Quang Tung, which uh, was the film that uh, was in our first episode, the first Jackie Chan martial arts movie uh, that he at least starred in um and this point at this point in his career he's working for golden harvest uh, he had a lengthy acting career in fact a lot more acting roles than uh, directorial and uh he passed away in 2007 at the age of 69 nice uh and this was written by <laughs> k zima who also wrote and directed the fantasy film love of the white snake in 1975 a movie i have heard of uh and certainly has a lot more profile than all in the family which is a movie that a lot of people have not heard of and if they have heard of it it's mostly in uh not well researched articles about jackie chan's career suggesting that he worked in a pornographic film liam now, Liam, the Jackie Chan, as I mentioned before, doesn't show up until an hour into the movie. There are a few recognizable faces in this, though 
in just kind of small roles for the most part. Sammo Hung shows up for like two seconds at the beginning of the movie as a rickshaw driver. For a uh, really Dean, stupid gag. For a really stupid gag. Uh, Dean Check, who is someone that you'll see in a lot of Golden Harvest movies around this time period, and we're I'm sure we're going to talk about a little bit later. He's one of the family members, I think, in this. Apparently Carter Wong shows up in this. Carter Wong, of course, most famous to a lot of Western audiences, uh, for his appearance in Big Trouble in Little China, um, but uh, also was in many, many martial arts movies as well. Did you see him in this, Liam? No, I actually have no idea what you're talking about. Well, Carter Wong is the guy who explodes in Big no, Trouble. No, no, I know, but I'm saying like I, I felt like I was pretty on top of noticing people in this movie, and I sure. can't, I can't even picture a moment he was in it. Well, we'll talk about <laughs> these performers, I guess, in some detail. Certainly, we'll talk about Jackie Chan in just a little bit. But first, I want to start, Liam. What did you think of All in the Family? Something that people say that I don't think is true, usually, is that the worst crime, the worst mistake, the worst whatever that a piece of entertainment could do is be boring. And I don't think that that's true because sometimes they're referring to things that are very slow and mm-hmm. not a lot happens. And, and some sure. of those can be, and you know, I can be enraptured by some of those things. I'm a big Tarkovsky fan. Um, there's a lot of things I like that other people could describe as boring. And so I, I haven't taken <laughs> seriously the criticism that, you know, it'd be terrible if a movie was boring, that that's the worst thing a movie could be. And yet, in this particular case, I could not get engaged on any level. It was a work of the most pure focus and discipline to make it through this film. I just, I, you know, I was, I was hoping for something. I was hoping to get mad. I was hoping to get annoyed. I was hoping to find things to make fun of, whatever it takes for me to be fully engaged the whole time. And it was really hard, man. It was really hard. And and I, uh, I, I don't think there is much here for. Again, I'm willing to name our cultural limitations here. I don't speak. Uh, I think this was, I don't know if this is Mandarin or Cantonese, but whatever it is, mm-hmm. I, whatever it is, I don't speak it. I also don't, <laughs> I don't know a lot about the culture. And by that, I don't just mean the period at the time, right? In order to get a movie like this, you don't need to know about ancient China as much as you need to know about China in 1975 and what people are going to find funny or now, ha- Hong Kong to, rather. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just to interrupt you just, just for a second, Liam, when do you think this movie takes place? Uh, again, I don't even think it's old because there's some random technology. So I think it's that period in the early 1900s where there wasn't as a huge push for modernization. So things look kind of older, but there's a few because there's cars of, and there's telephones. Oh, I've, but but here's the thing: there's a car. So okay, you sort of establishes there's issues yeah. with the plot, right? So there's an establishing story and there's a car. But what I couldn't tell is that there were cars in the other stories, or if the other stories were in different time periods. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's what I was getting at there, but but you're right. I, I I don't want to make the mistake. Sometimes it's hard um, if you're not familiar with Chinese history to place films in a certain time period because certain kinds of dress uh, we associate with um, not modern times, which is not real. That's a cultural yeah. thing that there were mm-hmm. styles of dress in China that were still acceptable well into the 1900s. That um, we just see, or I say we, but some Americans see and tend to think of as old, older than they are, you know? So yeah, this is occurring during a time when there are telephones, there's a car, but everything has an older feel to it. There hasn't been quite the push for modernization that there was later on, you know? So what what year that is exactly, I'm not sure. to, To put it in terms that people might understand, this is Legend of Korra, not the original Avatar. (laughs) <laughs> those people who could understand that are not me <laughs> yeah. I, it's it's a silly it's not a real reference it's just one of the things that people complain about is like uh, on the show is this like moving forward in time but i'm like that's what happens they would have phones eventually you idiots anyways point is oh boy <laughs> point is point is um are these uh, cartoons for children <laughs> I mean, you say that, but mostly adults seem to love them. I don't know. No, I know, I know, I know. Uh, I, know. I, I just, 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 just to, to go off that, just for two seconds. Yeah, do it. This is this is something that we're probably going to be dealing with as we go forward. Uh, and I'm glad that you referenced specifically the style of dress. And and you know, if you are uh, uh, in a smaller community in China, 
uh, even up to maybe this, I, I think it's clear this movie doesn't take place in the mid 1970s. But y- when you watch a martial arts movie like like Drunken Master, as we'll get to in in a few episodes. There's no references to exactly when in history that is supposed to be taking place. And I think in some ways that's intentional. When you watch a Shaw Brothers movie, a lot of times they have references to uh, like the, the era in which it takes place. But a lot of those Golden Harvest ones from the late 70s don't have those same markers. So I think audiences can, can watch them and think they could be taking place 100 years ago or they could be taking place right now, depending on which part of the country that they're actually in. Though I do think that when... Western audiences watch those movies. They're thinking, "Oh, this is in at some point in the distant past." I think it's hard to keep in mind the ways that different styles of dress coexisted with the beginnings of industrial life in China. Sure, um, absolutely. And 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 to understand the huge epoch that communism that when communism comes into play in China that. So many cultural things changed. I think people don't understand because, again, we're largely ignorant of of Chinese history. And to be fair, I feel largely ignorant. I have four semesters of East Asian history focused on China in college, and I'm still kind of like, I think I kind of know what happened. You know what I mean? So um, it's a lot of information. And so I kind of get why it can be confusing. But the dress thing, I think, really just comes from like a, a... uh, a thing where we see that style of dress and think, oh, that's back in the day. And it's like, well, yeah. not necessarily. Uh, anyways, all that is to say in this film, there are a number of distances between us and the film that could mm. make it difficult for us to understand. But even the stuff that's obvious that I think makes sense isn't funny. And there's no, the film doesn't have a lot of drama or other compelling narrative elements outside of its supposed humor. So, it was really hard to be engaged if it's not funny and I don't care about anything that's happening. Why am I going through this experience other than my love for Doug? <laughs> well, we are co-hosts of this podcast, Liam. It's I not, saw this, this as a be... labor for you, Doug. This is this is blood I gave for, for your behalf. Uh, we'll be talking about blood in just a second as well. Oh, God. Uh, just to give you an example of the kind of humor in this movie, the framing story involves this couple, as I mentioned, who work at a market. I guess they do, like, calligraphy uh, painting. Uh, and, and there is some wordplay involved with that that I didn't necessarily grasp. But uh, something I did grasp was at one point, the the husband, he uh, gets a little fed up by his wife complaining, and he goes and gets a haircut. Uh, and this basically, he's going to get his head shaved. He So he sits down, and we see that the barber has just bought some sort of sandwich and he wants to eat it, but, you know, this guy wants to get his head shaved. So he puts the sandwich in a drawer, and then a dog comes and eats his sandwich. And this guy has just started shaving this dude's head, this barber. Uh, and he gets so distracted by this dog eating his sandwich that he throws his razor at the dog. Doesn't hurt it, just scares it. Um, and then and the sandwich is ruined. And then he's so pissed about losing his sandwich that he basically... And he's also, uh, I guess, destroyed his razor that he can't complete the haircut. So then the husband has like a, a couple of shaved marks in his head. That's funny. That is one of the most coherent jokes. Like when you let's be clear, you're not picking a weak link here. Y'all, this is one of the most coherent setups <laughs> and payoffs in the entire film. That's the <laughs> level of humor we're at with this thing. <laughs> Which again, look, I don't want to knock it too. I mean, there's that's a funny concept, right? The guy was trying to get his head shaved, but he couldn't. Uh, but the the that is kind of a like because of the pace that these jokes arise at. Um, I mean, that is why something like that is memorable in the context of the whole movie. So that's the framing story is this couple. Then there's two stories that are told in the movie. One of them takes about an hour. And then the rest of the movie, which is about 40 minutes, is uh, is the other one. The first one involves this family. They're a really greedy family, but their parents were incredibly frugal. And the kids, who are all grown, they all suspect that their parents have a ton of money. So the father, he has his basically his on the de- on his deathbed, he's talking to his children. And he just kind of gives examples of how uh, ridiculously poor he was or how how um simply he lived in order to to not spend money including things like eating rice uh without any salted vegetables so what he would do is just stare at a salted vegetable while he was eating instead which i have to admit liam i did think was kind of amusing 
I'm okay with that. That was kind of fun. <laughs> and so he dies, and then his wife basically has to be courted, so to speak, by each of the children who want her money. And a big kind of central piece of that is that she wears a coat which has all of these uh, pieces of metal within it. And she then also carries a piece of gold. And at one point she drops this piece of gold to suggest to her children that her coat is full of gold. But no, it's not. That's the, that is like... <laughs> so they're all falling all over themselves to help their mother. But she's not... I guess she doesn't actually have money at all. Uh, or if she does, she's not going to be sharing it with her children. And at one point she dies. And then they discover that their uh, actions being nice to their mother was for nothing. And that is the end of that. That's the entire story. Guys, you know how when... Um... Something ends and it so doesn't pay off that you assume you missed something. <laughs> Everything that Doug just described, I figured out. But when that sequence is over, I thought, well, I must have fallen asleep or something, <laughs> something must have gone wrong there because that couldn't possibly be the payoff of this hour long sequence. It goes on so long. I even forgot there was a framing story till it was yeah, over. Me too. And then they I go actually... back to the couple and I'm like, why are we back with these people? Oh, right. This was a story she was telling him to prove what exactly? <laughs> because the framing story doesn't have like a transition into the first proper story. I thought those framing story characters were somehow involved with this family. I didn't realize it was supposed to. Like, I thought they were. <laughs> to be totally honest, I thought the father in the story was supposed to be the guy from the store. That, just to show you how racist. I got so it. racist. I, I, I did. Hey, mea culpa. <laughs> But I was just confused by it And I do think I was reasonable to be confused So then it leads into this second story And it is This one is a little bit In some ways it's more straightforward But it is is even less satisfying Because at least there's a, a part which you can understand There's a guy who is very poor He gets hired by a rickshaw company There's a lottery that goes on in this town that he lives in That apparently... You pick a symbol, and if it gets drawn, you win money. I think that seems to be the case. Um, and this rickshaw driver gets gets trained by another rickshaw driver, played by Jackie Chan, who's a ladies' man who's <laughs> having sex with the wife of the rickshaw uh, company owners. Um, the the <laughs> He's having sex with the wife of the owner of the rickshaw company, as well as a girl nearby Whose parents are trying to sell her to a, uh, like a, a bordello? Is that right? Yes. That is what I got out of it, and so that is why, because Jackie Chan is this ladies' man, we get to see him having sex a few times. So th- that is as much of the story as I can kind of work out from what we saw. Which again, this was a subtitled movie. It's just that it's very difficult to kind of parse out a lot of the aspects of it. Uh, but the question I have for you, Liam O'Donnell. By the way, I got from your summary of your thoughts on it that you did not much care for this movie. No, I had I I had trouble engaging with it enough to even feel like I was forming thoughts about it. The question that everyone listening is wondering, Liam, is this a pornographic movie? No, no, it's not. Why? What is a pornographic movie? I guess that's a big question. What makes a movie a porno? Okay, so I fully accept the idea of like, you know, that pornography is like art. You know it when you see it. Um, But I also think that at a less interpretive level, if there is no believably simulated or actually unsimulated sex, then uh, to me, it's not pornographic. You know what I mean? So like uh, uh, it could be pornographic without there being actual penetrative real life sex or or for that matter, I don't want to be heteronormative without there being real genital contact sex for it could still be pornographic in theory, Uh, but it would have to be believably simulated. Um, in this film, there isn't even thrusting, really. It's like two naked no. people kind of writhe on each other in the least believable way, and then that's supposedly sexy. Uh, there's no visible genitalia. Uh, it's really just butts and boobs, butts and boobs, and yeah. I've seen worse stuff in a PG-13 film, so there you go. Yeah. In fact, this movie... I'm trying to think. No, probably because of what happens in the final 10 minutes, this movie would not get a PG-13 rating, but it's not far off. 
And the as I mentioned at the beginning, The Golden Lotus, which is a movie that is really explicitly about sex from beginning to end, was a much more explicit movie, particularly that one kind of notable scene where the woman is strung up and he's throwing fruit at her. Uh, but like this, that movie is one that I, you could at least make a case for it being softcore pornography um, because it's based on an erotic novel and all that sort of thing. This movie, like I said, it doesn't really have any sexuality in it at all until we're an hour in. And then it's just connected to this Jackie Chan character. It's just a really strange way to... I mean, it, the, the tone of everything is comedic for the most part, but it's just it's just weird for anyone to watch this and think, oh, this was a dirty movie I just watched. I Here's the thing, though. We're talking about Jackie Chan, a man with a, yes. with a massive career. Uh, so there are two things going on here, I think. One is the bar is so low with him and sexy stuff that maybe he really thought this counted. However, And it implicates him. He's not implicated in the Golden Lotus. This yes. movie, he's the dude doing it. So yeah. or not doing it, but you know what I mean. So therefore, maybe that's why he's just this is my pornographic film. It's also entirely possible he just confused the two movies. My man is yeah. not you know, infallible. Yeah. And they were both made around the same part of his career. Um so the other thing that is commonly said about this movie is that it's the only Jackie Chan movie without a fight scene. Um, which is explicitly not true because the Golden Lotus also doesn't have any fight scenes. Now, this movie, Liam, doesn't really have any fight scenes in it, but it does have some fighting. There is a part, another really hilarious part, Liam, let me remind you about it, (laughs) where the old mother, the one who is trying to pretend to be rich to her children, she goes to a theater and uh, she sits in and watches this kind of uh, Chinese opera uh, thing in front of her, which includes a fight scene. Now, the joke of this, there's a few jokes. One of them is that someone gets pissed on. Do you remember this, Liam? Oh, I totally forgot about this. <laughs> there's two women. I, I just like, by the way, so there's a woman who comes in and she's looking for her friend and they start yacking back and forth. Uh, and just and she, it, this woman, the the mother, gets annoyed, just like we get annoyed, Liam, when people talk in a movie theater. And then one of these women who are talking, she's like, "What is that? Is it raining?" And we look up, and there's a kid on a upper balcony, and he's pissing on her head. I forgot all. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Maybe I did fall asleep and miss that. I don't know. <laughs> it was only for a second. But then the big joke of this whole segment is, even though we do see like a, a few minutes of this fighting on the stage, the uh, the mother, the presumably rich mother, she keeps getting asked to pay by the owner of this theater. So I guess it's like you don't just buy a ticket and go in. It's like in installments. So you stay for 20 minutes and then you pay and then you get another 20 minutes. And so she keeps getting asked and she's like, boy, I'm getting asked too much. And he's like, it's expensive to run this place. And then later he comes to get more money and she's already left. And that is funny. It's a very funny joke. That That is like the, that segment goes on for like 12 minutes. <laughs> it, uh, it's fucking ponderous, man. <laughs> I, I mean, this is the problem, right? How long can we go on just pointing out how not funny this movie is? <laughs> Well, it's, I think there is interesting. There are interesting aspects of it. So the most interesting stuff are the are connected to this other story, which is about the rickshaw driver. I felt the aspects of that were this kind of bumbling rickshaw driver who uh, is kind of lazy and 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 a, you know a goofball. That that I could see some actual humor from that. There's a part where he's trying to. He's been taught how to do certain things. Like uh, like how to walk when he's pulling a rickshaw and how to pick it up. And he tries to do it with the customer and the guy's continually getting knocked around. And at one point he gets rolled out of the rickshaw. I mean, I can it, – it's it's low humor certainly. But I could see the, the comedy in that. But I had more trouble with the idea that I guess everyone in this town is looking for lucky words to be part of this lottery. So they're trying to find out what they should bet on. So they're looking for kind of omens that give a suggestion to to the things that they should bet on. Yeah. Am I right about that? Yeah, that and, seemed to be the well, and they're associated with characters too, which I also don't understand. Yes. Yeah. So and and there's also a moment where the owner of the rickshaw company actually does catch his wife in bed with Jackie Chan, 
But instead of being angry, he's still he's more upset that someone referred to him as looking like a uh, tortoise, uh, <laughs> a tortoise that was on fire, <laughs> which ends up being uh, actually a pretty useful omen because that the 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 fl- the flame or the fire ends up being the thing that wins the lottery. Anyway, there's a lot of confusing elements that lead into that part of the movie. But he doesn't seem particularly upset about seeing his wife in bed with another man, and in fact, he's played to be kind of an idiot anyway. I don't. <sighs> the dynamics of the second part made the first part seem coherent, and that is quite a statement. <laughs> All right, Liam. I can tell that you're already upset about talking about All in the Family, so I'm going to get to the point, which is the final 10 minutes of this movie. <laughs> so, as I mentioned before, Jackie Chan's character, he uh, is also having sex with a neighbor woman. And this neighbor woman, uh, at some point, I think she they're, they're, they're knocking around the idea that she should be a prostitute because she can make a lot of money at it because she's a virgin. Of course, she's not a virgin. Jackie Chan has deflowered her, I guess, again and again and again. But this is what she's presenting herself as. So there is a moment at the end of the movie where a gentleman comes into her bedroom. And at first she seems nervous and maybe even a little scared. But this gentleman explains, he's like, I'm old. I'm actually not going to be able to have sex with you. I could just kiss you. But what I'm going to do is put my finger inside of you. And the implication, I guess, Liam, and you correct me if I'm wrong, is that he's going to test if she's a virgin. I guess, man. Yeah, something like that. There has been wordplay up to this point when it comes to having sex that they have referred to it as dying eggs because we see uh, a few moments of someone like with chicken eggs dyeing them different colors. So I, I don't know if this is an expression that I don't understand, but in the context of this, this person fingers her and finds blood on his finger and he is super excited. Now, we don't see the blood on his finger at that moment. He runs downstairs. He's so happy that she's a virgin because I don't know why. Um, but then as he goes downstairs, he sees someone dying eggs and their hands are all red just like his hand is red, Liam. And he starts to go like, Oh! <laughs> he doesn't know what to make of this, Liam. <laughs> and uh, that then he goes to the doctor the next day, and his fingers are all wrapped up, because I guess, we don't really know why for sure. I guess it's because his fingers have been dyed red, and he thinks he has some sort of weird condition. And that is funny. Yeah. How do you feel about that, Liam? <laughs> it doesn't okay, like again, there's a language thing going on here. But Is but there? <laughs> but but there's also like the whole time he's in the room with her, they're cutting to the eggs and cutting to the eggs and cutting to the eggs. It's like part of the reason we're making the associations we are is because visually it's telling you like, uh, they're they're dying the eggs. He's he's <laughs> inserting his fingers, they're dying the eggs, huh? And I'm like what the fuck? And then they keep cutting to Jackie Chan having sex, too. That's another one of the things yeah. they keep cutting to. And eventually I thought, is this like the Holy Mountain? Am I just supposed to like feel something and not really think about what it means? Like, uh, what, Doug, is the large difference between this sequence and the sequence where the homeless man wakes up in a room full of Jesuses and like rips them apart and eats them? Like, Or, or where the, the frogs get exploded or where the dude poops into a container and it turns into the di- gold. Like, the difference, Liam, is that that's a lot more coherent than what we're actually yes. watching here. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, is that like like it, it there's, there is a visual joke and a point being made that we're supposed to really pick up on that I was left just like I guess the suggestion is that she has put dye in her uh, vagina so that he will think that it is blood, but here's the other thing. Who would, would be fooled by that? Like, I don't Whatever. I'm thinking too hard about what is a goofy joke. But it, even the way that the joke is told is confusing, especially when he thinks that he now has a disease. I was yeah. like, what is even happening right now? I mean, uh, there is something to be said here about the way that certain cultures are obsessed with the idea of virginity and the way that some cultures connect virginity to cleanliness. And when I say some cultures, I don't just mean the culture that's on display in this movie, but also our own culture. Um, and, and what that's supposed to represent and whether this is poking fun at it or actually reinforcing it. But since we are, as you've already rec- already suggested, we're already distanced from some of what is being 
uh, displayed here. I don't feel like that's something that we can really comment on. It's just really fucking weird. <laughs> it's really weird, and it's not funny, and it's actually kind of creepy and uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, again, maybe there's something we're not getting, but I my suspicion is that the thing we're not getting is somewhere around Porky's level humor, so I don't yeah. really particularly care that I don't understand it. And if we're wrong, if there's someone listening who like is like, no, there's actually a really funny wordplay <laughs> going on, we'd love to hear it. I would love it. I would love – and and in fact, any detail about the cultural references that we're missing out on, please let us know. I hate to think that we're going at this from a place of total ignorance, but I will say that our interpretation of what we're seeing here – does jive with the interpretations that I've read online in reviews for this movie. This is not a movie that is talked about very often. Uh, I do have a quote from one of the Letterboxd reviews from a gentleman named Arf Ordiev, and he's referring specifically to the dog who ate the sandwich in the part that I talked about earlier. He says, that dog was just hungry. It stole that calzone fair and square. Just let the dog have the calzone cruel barber, which is his takeaway from this particular movie. Not a bad one, I would say. I mean, it's fair. <laughs> it's very fair. Liam, this movie features Jackie Chan, one of the most beloved actors in the entire world. Yeah, I I think um I think uh <laughs> I think uh he he it's good that there were other opportunities open to him. Let's just say that. Uh, amazing to think This is also goes back to the fact that Sammo Hung shows up in this movie literally just for an instant at the beginning. That at this point in history, even though this is post Enter the Dragon, this is a, you know a, a time when these actors were getting work in other productions and sometimes larger productions. That they, they were still no name enough that they could show up for a single scene or a couple of scenes or even the size of Jackie Chan's part in this movie. These are just supporting players for Golden Harvest at the time, and how that is going to change massively within the next two years to the point where they're going to be making like seven movies a year where they're going to be the stars in just a couple of years from this date. Yeah, it's kind of neat to see the Well, and, and and I wonder to what extent this is about Golden Harvest getting the memo of like, you know, some of these movies are a waste of your time, man. Like, it, you should be focusing on other things. I don't know. I, but then again, who knows? Maybe this movie was a big hit. I, I'm not sure. It is hard to say. I will say that I have a little bit more experience with Shaw Brothers movies that are not martial arts movies. Like we did talk about the Golden Lotus last time, but I've seen you know some of their movies, which are comedies and war movies and things like that. But for Golden Harvest, I have only ever seen martial arts movies, and if this is the kind of movies that they're making on their off time, boy, I'm not interested in investigating that in any more detail. No, this was enough for me. I'm ready for other things. Well, thankfully, we'll be getting to those soon. Liam, what would you think of Jackie Chan in this movie? I mean, to be fair, he doesn't have much to do, so I don't actually have a criticism of him other than to say uh, I hope it was the director's idea that he do sex scenes in which there's no thrusting of any kind. And was it his, like, you know, this is what it would be like if I was actually ever to have sex. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. It's it's fine. It's fine. I don't know. There's no actual critical thing to say to him he doesn't do anything that is worth like uh criticizing but there's not much here to endear you to him either in in my mind at least the 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 moment where he's teaching the rickshaw driver there there is some some brief moments of him showing kind of flourishes of physical comedy in that like like uh kicking the the handle of the rickshaw up to his own hand and and his fluid movement in it but i mean that is a stretch even for me to say that like this is a much larger performance than the one in the golden lotus but it's still it still isn't very jackie chanish and that even goes as far as something we've already referenced as well is that jackie chan in this doesn't look like we all think of jackie chan as looking because once again this is before that he got his eye surgery so he has kind of a distinctive different look and I, I i don't know if you noticed that during the movie liam but it was something that was slightly distracting at least for me yeah he definitely looks different yeah and of course that's going to change very soon and i mean it, it, the 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 morality of those kind of decisions regarding whether westerners will 
accept a actor with more Western-looking eyes. I mean, that is an interesting discussion, but not one we're likely to have on this podcast. But it is something that's notable about these early roles of Jackie Chan. He just looks like a different actor. He acts like a different actor. But at least this is a comedic role. So the fact that he, he will define a lot of his career with his comedy, it's interesting to see that in its kind of most basic form. I agree. And I do think that that there's still a little bit of charm whenever I see him, honestly. But I just wish there was more going on in the film. Also, the last time we see his character in this movie, he's been fucked so many times that he can barely walk. Yeah, another joke that didn't quite (laughs) land for me. He just looks miserable and in pain. They've crushed his bones from screwing up so much. Pretty hilarious stuff, Liam. Real, real comedic. This is like this is like Seinfeld or something, you know. <laughs> is that when you think in your brain of like the height of comedy? Is Seinfeld your your go to example? No, that's why I said it because actually I hate Seinfeld. That's a weird thing to, for you to say. I love Seinfeld. I think it's really good, but I do know some people have a very negative opinion about it. And apparently, Liam, you're one of those people. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't really uh, doesn't really appeal to me. You the know. joke is, Liam. That they're bad people. <laughs> Pretty funny. <laughs> Leah, would you uh, recommend All in the Family from the year 1975 to your friends and loved ones? No, because I don't have any friends and loved ones who are so obsessed with Jackie Chan that they need to see everything he's in. This is a completest only effort. There's no crossover value here i think you could put on so many jackie chan films uh that i've seen even the ones that are not quite uh the most famous jackie chan but maybe are him still in his kung fu period but he adds enough character that they would cross over and appeal to a lot of people i don't imagine who would watch us and go well i'm still who's this guy i need to know more about him i i concur i will say the only time i would be likely to ever rewatch this movie would be if there was a new version that was retranslated. And then I might watch it again to try to get a better grasp of what is really going on and maybe some of the cultural references in it. Uh, Because I do think that there's... I think that there is value in trying to investigate that and have a better understanding. That said, like yourself, Liam, I think even if I was to gain that greater understanding, that this is not a very good movie and it is not very funny. And it is not worth it for fans of Jackie Chan to seek it out, particularly if you're seeking it out because of its reputation as pornographic, you get to see uh, boobs and a butt, uh, and uh, neither of those belong to Jackie Chan, and not even some uh, Jackie Chan thrusting. So what is the point, right, Liam? Why even go out of your way? I can't think of any reasons. Liam, I know that you've had a hard time with the movies that we've been watching on. We do our own stunts so far. (laughs) because they don't represent the Jackie Chan that you and I know and love. I mean, we started in an okay place, but it, but it, but it went downhill from there. Well, the reason that we had to cover these movies is to get to the next stage. And the next stage will be happening starting in our next episode, because on the next episode of we do our own stunts, we are going to watch new fist of fury. Now, Liam, Even people who don't know much about Jackie Chan's career know that at one point he was taken from obscurity to be the new Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee died, uh, I guess, in 1973. Uh, There was an immediate attempt to find replacements, actors who either looked like him or could provide something like the, the martial arts ability that he had. And Jackie Chan was chosen by Lo Wei, the director of a few of Bruce Lee's most famous movies, including Fist of Fury, to be the new Bruce Lee, and the way that he was going to kick that off was with a remake of Fist of Fury called New Fist of Fury. And on the next episode, we're going to talk about it. What do you think? You must be excited about that. I am actually very excited. Again, um, I don't know how great it will be. I've never seen it before. But just getting Mm. back into the uh, martial arts action of Jackie Chan will be worth it for me. Well, I'm very curious about it myself. I have seen it, uh, but only in a a pan and scan version many years ago. So this is something that I'm really interested in checking out. Um, 
we have mentioned before, Liam, that we in the future we're going to be uh, tackling some non-movie related Jackie Chan ephemera, including his albums. Originally, we were going to actually talk about his first album on the next episode, but Liam, I have, as the decision maker, <laughs> decided to cut both you and our ever-fading listeners <laughs> some slack and talk about a movie people actually want to hear about. I'm sure they will send you tons of mail thanking you for that decision. Well, if they wanted to send me mail, Liam, thanking me, what's the best way for them to do so? Well, they can head on over to uh, cinemasmorgasbord.com. They can... I actually don't know. Do we have an email? Well, I have mentioned it several times on this very show. There's an email both on that website that you can contact uh, contact us through, or if it's specific to this podcast, it's we W D O O S. We do our own stunts at Cinema Smorgasbord. Yeah, sorry about that. I forgot about that. And then, uh, of course, they can follow us on Twitter uh, at Cinema Smorg S M O R G. They can also catch up with us at uh, the Cinepunks website. That's uh, C I N E P U N X. And Cinepunks is on social media. All over the place, just at Cinepunks. Um, they can also follow us personally if they want to hear us complaining about various things on our own time. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh-huh. Mine's at Liam Rules, R U L Z, and yours is at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T I L L E Y. E Y. That's great, Liam. That's so great. Liam? Yeah. What, what has been going on at Cinepunks lately? Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? You've done the Cinepunks podcast. Sure. What kind of movies have you been covering? So uh, most recently we had a super depressing episode because we covered... Uh, Great! We covered recent release Beanpole. As you know, there's this pandemic going on, Doug. And there's a number of films that you can rent. Wait, what? <laughs> you can rent. And when you rent them, part of the proceeds go to local art house theaters. So Josh, wanting to support an art house theater, picked a random film. Was like, oh, well, this Beanpole movie is a Russian film... It's getting pretty solid reviews. Let, yeah, I've heard. Let's yeah, cover yeah. that. Oh, it looks like this is a young filmmaker. He only has one other movie called Closeness. Let's do a double feature. Well, it turns out this guy specializes in uh, depressing and brutal cinema. So uh, that was a rough episode, man. That was a rough double feature. Uh, Closeness features uh, an actual snuff film in the middle of the movie. So, what? so that's that was a fun time. And by fun, I mean awful. It was really bad. So, uh, but. Uh, before that, we um, we covered. Um, sorry, my brain just went out. It's okay. Uh, I'm just gonna say, you know, in these trying times, we of course are all <laughs> desperate to listen to really depressing podcasts. Well, I will say we've had a we've had a much more fun time over on Horror Business because we've covered lots of fun things. Um, Justin insists that the William Castle remakes of the early. 2000s late 90s are not terrible so he made me watch them uh and they were terrible but we had a fun discussion about it uh yeah yeah it was a good it was a good time um just before that we covered uh edge of the axe and um uh deadly mansion is it manor deadly manor Mm -hmm. uh and that was fun uh sort of mixed take on that uh so that's that's been a good time and we've added some new podcasts we have a new podcast called weird obscure and possibly unsafe that covers uh strange phenomena uh both of the like more x-files variety but also like weird magic stuff and things like that so that's a that's a fun show and uh we've been able to feature a few writers including we just published a a uh, hot take on the Snyder Cut. So go on over if you want to get Ooh. if you want to get mad at us hot and takes. yell at us about how much you love Snyder and his cut. Then let us know. Uh, th- this is a thing, by the way. You're gonna be amused by this because everyone is when I tell them that I was lar- uh-huh. largely unaware of for whatever what? for whatever reason. I am not connected to angry DC Twitter. And so while I would occasionally see people say like, oh, people are real mad about the Snyder Cut, I was like, if you say so, buddy, because I had never seen any firsthand tweeting about it ever. (laughs) That is strange, I do have to say. I was very, very aware of it. I will say that the only Snyder Cut I'm interested in is the cut of his jib, which I don't particularly care for. (laughs) Though I'm much, I'm very... I'm very upset about uh, him taking all this time, Liam, to work on this new cut of his movie because it's going to take away time from his upcoming big-budget adaptation of Ayn Rand's The Fountainhead, his next movie, which sounds like the worst fucking thing I could even imagine existing on planet Earth. 
See, this is why I avoid things like this that I don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it, I have enough things that I'm invested in that cause me rage. The idea of expanding <laughs> to include caring about any DC properties is just a little too much for me. Uh, of course, Liam, you also have Rough Cut, which uh, releases uh, movie-themed shirts. What's the latest uh, available through there? Oh, man. We, unfortunately, by the time this comes out, people will have just missed uh, the end of our uh, double, our Abel Ferrara double, uh, Miss 45, and uh, Driller Killer. But I will I will give you an exclusive for Cinema Smorgasbord listeners. Our next, our next drop will be uh, Switchblade Sisters and Savage Sisters, a sister's double. Ooh. So uh, that should be pretty great. Uh, and then right after that, again, exclusive for Cinema Smorgasbord, we're going to be doing a Choose Your Own Adventure. That's when we let folks uh, vote on a past design that they would like us to re-release. We don't, for people who don't know, we do limited runs of things. So once it sells out, it's gone, and you must uh, cry for the rest of your life about it. Uh, however, occasionally we do do a vote, and maybe you can get on and vote for the design you want us to reprint, and we'll do it. Sisters are doing it for themselves over at Rough Cut. Where, do, where can people pick up those shirts? Yeah, they can head on over to roughcutshirts.com. They can also follow Rough Cut on uh, uh instagram to get regular updates for what we're doing exciting stuff liam speaking of exciting on the next episode of we do our own stunts we'll be talking about new fist of fury i hope you'll join us for that until then liam say good night 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 あなたは生きてる。そう気づいた今。窓の外を見れば鳥が飛び立った。朝もやに潤んだ。花は春を歌い。キラキラ輝いてた。いざ潮を浴びて。<音楽>